Thank you, Sean. 7 o'clock. For those of you that are still out in the hall, the 7 o'clock meeting starts at 7 o'clock. Um, welcome to Position to Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. We always start off with a prayer, and Chaplain Lee is in the house. Come on and stand to your feet all over the room, please. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Father, we thank you today. We welcome you into this place. We give you the praise, glory, and honor for everything you've done, everything you're doing, but most of all for what you're about to do on tonight. We thank you, God, for meeting us right here, and we ask you, Lord, that you allow your presence to be made known in the lives of each and every one that walks through these doors. Show them your power, even though, Lord, we do not wait on power to release us because we know it's already in us. So we thank you right now for what you're going to do through your manservants getting ready to speak throughout this place and deliver a, mirror, a word to each and every one that's here. We thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory in advance for the mighty name of Jesus we all say amen. amen. Thank you, Chaplain Lee. If any of you want to do a little deeper dive and you come from a faith tradition that will allow that, uh, Chaplain Lee does a recovery church service here on Saturdays. Those of you who are members here, your families are welcome to come to that just like they are to this. And uh, anyway, so a couple things before we start. Is there anyone here for the first time tonight? A few of you? Good. Well, first, first of all, welcome. Second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for lots of years. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for Addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Yes? yes? So what we do here is just what the authors intended. I'll try and show you how I find my experience in the book, and I'll encourage you to have your experience with the book. And if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. Fair enough? Yes. How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that's what happens here? So those of you online, they're raising their hands. Those of you in the room, they raise their hands to signify when we speak of a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking about a sensory experience. You will feel it. When you do, I'll know. And I'll call it to your attention because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. Oh, that's another little thing we do around here. When I say God, you say because we don't want prejudice blocking people off because of some theological bad experience they had. We want them to focus on the power experience within them, the spirit of inspiration, the spirit of revelation, the things that are the ahas and the wake-me-up type moments. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so that's the things we're going to do. And the other thing we got to do before we start is, for those of you who don't know, the majority of the people that are programming here came to us from Arizona Department of Corrections. And one of the things that we've been able to accomplish in the last three years is this broadcast and our Saturday broadcast get streamed into all 33,000 men and women in the Department of Corrections. And we need for them to know. We 
we need for them to know that you guys are ready to welcome them home, yeah? And also, one more shout out, we also go to all 7,500 men and women in Maricopa County Jail. So thank you for welcoming them, and when they get here, please welcome them, and we'll just launch right into what we're about to do. So if you've got a book with you, go to page 63, and if you don't, I'll read along with you, and we'll, you'll have to trust me that I'm actually telling you what it says. Uh, now that's why some people should bring a book, you know what I mean? Because you just never know what someone might be dishing. So I'm going to do one thing. Right at the end of the third step, they told you, you know, you got to express the idea. It's better to meet God alone. But they have a promise right there that I wanted to call to your attention tonight because I haven't done that in a long time. The bottom of 63, one paragraph up from the last one said, this was only a beginning. So what they were talking about was I had to say this prayer, voicing it without reservation. But if it was humbly made, they gave me, they set that condition. Does that make sense? So this was only a beginning, though, if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. Just in case you're thinking that I'm preaching nonsense, number one, I'm not preaching, I'm bearing witness to my experience. But number two, I'm telling you, this is a tangible sensory experience that you'll feel from within you. And we want to call your attention to that because that's what's going to help me go inward to do this fearless inventory because fearless does not mean without fear. It means in spite of the fear. Does that make sense? And then it says, next we launched. Now, how many of you would describe your first attempt at a fourth step as maybe something less than a launching? So... If you lack power, you might not launch. So the step two encounter enacted through the third step decision, now that I know the power I'm talking to and where it's found, and the reason I'm moving into this inventory phase, why would I get into this inventory phase, this searching and fearless moral inventory? Where is the power found? How is it found? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. My consciousness of my power and purpose has been obscured by calamity, pomp, and worship. That's what they said. That's what I also discovered. So I need to identify those calamity, pomps, and worships and decide whether I'm going to discard them or get a different idea or whatever I'm going to do. I need to know these things in order to bear proper witness to what's up. And, and in the process, I'm going to improve my consciousness of this power to live within me. So this is definitely a life-saving measure, and the life I'm attempting to save right now is mine. Okay? So it says, next we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. So how many of you, prior to being introduced to some phase of recovery, tried a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself? So I'm assuming from the chuckles and the lack of enthusiasm, probably not many of us. How many of you really didn't know what that meant until someone showed you? That's pretty common. Why would I know how to do something I'd never done unless someone showed me? How many of you were afraid to ask someone to show you because you didn't want to admit you didn't know how? 
Okay, so let's take that burden off of you. Look, this is power to live. Let's get that burden off you. No one knows how to do it until someone walks them through it. Okay, so then it says, though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom. So a lot of times we think, oh, I have a fentanyl problem, I have a heroin problem, I have a liquor problem. And everyone would agree with me, but then I got a little bit of sobriety, a little bit of clean time. And the problem didn't go away. And I returned to the poison from which I came. So therefore, there had to have been something deeper. Yes? Okay. So they told me that although my admission of powerlessness over those substances was a vital and crucial step, it could have no permanent effect unless followed by this course of rigorous action, the first step of which is this inventory of me. Find out what those calamities, pomps, and worships are. Right. We're not very clear about that always in our fellowships, guys. We need to be clearer because lives are at stake, ours and others. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. Sorry I read so long, because I know our attention spans are about the size of a gnat. But because all of it's in there, then we got to go back and deconstruct it. Does that make sense? So now, what they told us is we did exactly the same thing with our lives. So who's we? The first 100. And they're telling the story of the first several thousand. So the whole reason there's any 12-step movement anywhere on the planet today is because of the experience they detail in this book. But no one in the rooms today is alive from this original experience. So we don't want to adulterate their testimony. We want to find ourselves in their testimony. Does that make sense? Okay, so they said that this is a fact-finding fact and a fact-facing process. It says an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. How many of you discovered, maybe not even in the process, but maybe just from life experience, that there is sometimes a difference between my truth, your truth, and the truth? So wouldn't it be nice if we started operating in the truth? How many of you were told that your condition was hopeless. You are an addict to the hopeless variety. If you don't stop this, you're going to die. That's a fact. That's what happens. We saw people, that is a fact. I found that fact from my experience that I have a deadly illness that I cannot stop progressing into. Is that true for anyone else? I took that fact to the truth found within me, and the truth rearranged my life. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. 
Then it says one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. So I'm going to get rid of those gnarly things about me and then I'm going to let them, let them go, set them aside, get them on my men's list, whatever I got to do with those calamities, pomps, and worships, yes? And then it goes on to tell us that that, that was only one object. How many of you were under the impression that the inventory would just about get into some dirty secret about you and telling someone else and therefore you didn't want to do four because you didn't want to tell anyone and it wasn't four that scared you, it was five. <laughs> so that, that's what usually happens, quite frankly. So what I want to tell you is don't let what you think is the action of another step scare you out of the step you're in. Don't let fear rob that better version of you. Don't let fear rob that... Get one of us who knows what's up, because that dirty thing that I think nobody knows about me is just one object. What my real purpose is to get down to the truth, the great reality within me. So the four-step inventory is not a crap hunt, it is a treasure hunt. Does that make sense? So don't stop digging because of the crap, dig through the crap to the pony. With all that horse shit, they got to be a horse, right? <laughs> okay. All right, so we did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. So these manifestations of self, driven by fear, were common to the first 100, and they found they had commonality in all the others, so they wrote down these common manifestations of fear. And when I, they talk about a manifestation of self, I know who I'd like to be, I'd like, uh, you know, I know who I would like for you to think I am, but sometimes when I experience fear, somebody else comes out. Yeah. Or maybe because I'm afraid you're not going to like me if I present you as I think I am, I'll try and present you in some way I think you'll like. Any of you ever done any of that? That's what it looks like for self to manifest. Okay, so they're gonna t we don't have to make it up is my point. I just want to tell you it's not as, it sounds like weird stuff because it's words we don't use all the time, but a self manifests when I try and pretend to be something inauthentic. And if I'm inauthentic to you, you're never gonna get to know me. And so we're never gonna know if we like each other. So we don't even, we're not only cheating ourselves, we're cheating others. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. What does? Resentment. resentment destroys more alcoholics than alcohol. Huh. Yeah, I'm resentful about that. That was good. That was catchy. We get a t-shirt. Um, from it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we've not only been mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. When the spiritual maladies overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. That's why, guys, when you come here, we want you to engage in the community. That's why we've engaged you while you're on the inside, and I'm talking here in the, in the center. This whole thing that you're standing in that's now helping hundreds, thousands of men and women re-enter successfully is all based on the model out of this book. 
That's it. That's, it's, that's how complex it is. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> yeah. And what we want to do, we'll look at all these things, these calamities, pomps, and worships in your IOP. And in the meantime, we'll get your feet under you with case management and peer support. Yeah? yeah. And we'll tell you, pretty soon you probably want to start applying for a red lanyard from your blue lanyard so you can start showing other people because one of the things that you, you think you ruined half your life, but no, you didn't, you were getting prepared for the rest of your life. So we need to get to the spiritual, and then we need to overcome the spiritual, and then you'll straighten out mentally and physically, because if no one's told you, there ain't nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Pick up your mat and walk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked we ask ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened, so we were sore, we were burned up. They give us an example of how they did it in the book. Sometimes it's been confusing. The method isn't as important as the action, but what they're telling you is set it aside. Chase them down relationship by relationship with people, institutions, principles. What is the relationship? With whom? Why am I angry? What did it affect? One by one by one, because as you do that, you'll start to realize the commonality. Commonality. You'll start to realize the common manifestations of self, the way your self manifests where you got in your own way. Right. Does it make sense? Okay. Um, and then it tells us, we, we, in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, oh, I already got that, I'm sorry. So on our, including sex, were hurt or threatened, so we were sore, we were burned up. On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. So now we're going to start listing self-esteem, whatever, personal, personal, all the things that are happening, right? And the closer the relationship, the more likely you rang more than one bell, yeah. right? Because only the people we're closest to can hurt us the deepest emotionally and mentally, right? right? And so I got to find my part in that, or I'm going to be tethered to it for a lifetime. Okay, so then it says, was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, or personal or sex relations which had been interfered with? And then they talk about how definite they were with that and what they eventually will get to as their part. I'm going to keep going because I'm just getting a different instruction right now. So I'm back there. It says, we went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Why? Yeah, and I'm, I'm learning now because there are no secrets in the realm of the spirit. If no one's told you that, you need to know that before you start. So the reality is this power that I need desperately already knows everything about me. And unfortunately, I know a little about me, but I'm dissatisfied with it. And whoever it is that God has sent to me to tell my story to, they're unlikely to be surprised by anything I've got to say. And I'll tell you why that is. Because none of us come here without a past. Does it make sense? So no matter what you think it is, if you're working with one of us that's been doing this a while, you're just not going to surprise us. And it doesn't matter. It's not about who you are anyway. It's just something you did. It was something you were brought through, and you got something else to do. You got thousands of people to lift out of that experience. 
I'm just here to help you unpack that and get out of here in victory. Whatever it is. Does it make sense? Okay. So when we were finished, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. How many of you have been stuck in that thought loop and just couldn't get your feet moving because the world and its people were often quite wrong? It's called the yeah, but syndrome. Yeah, I was kind of a dick, but yeah, but. Yes, I know the court convicted me, yeah, but. Okay. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. It's okay to get some solace from the fact that you were harmed and you didn't deserve it, but don't stay in the harm. Does that make sense? Even if you had no part in it, don't stay in the resentment. It kills more addicts than anything else. Okay. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore at ourselves. Any of you ever done something that you just thought unforgivable? Couldn't go anywhere else? Okay. And did you eventually have to encounter this power and have to move beyond that deep remorse and find out that it was all part of whatever the pattern of life is. It was, it was that path that you had been given. And if you haven't, then hook up with some of us and we'll, we'll help you walk past it because that's it. Whatever it is you survive, there's a story to tell. And there's someone that will benefit from it. All right, so the, the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. Then they talk very declaratively. They say, it is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. Guys, you may not know that from one side. When I first came into recovery rooms and were shown this and I read this, I lived to hate and get back at the people I perceived had wronged. And I was not able to let that down until someone gave me better tools. So what I'm telling you is once I encountered power and started walking in it and someone showed me how to really walk in it without trying to carry my past into it, like I got to lose that identity to walk in my new identity. Does it make sense? So once they showed me that, then I saw that it was leading only to futility and unhappiness. So don't give up here because we just getting started. Does that make sense? Okay. So to the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? How many of you knew that you're holding on to resentments was per permitting, allowing your current suffering? It's really weird, isn't it? We're tethered to it. Okay. So, but with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it's fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. And with us to drink is to die. So they do, they do some metaphorical speaking. Talk about when an ocean going vessel harbors, what do they do? Tuck it away. It's really not fulfilling its purpose, that ocean-going vessel, when it's tucked away in a safe place, is it? So 
It's an illusion that I'm tucking this stuff away. These calamities, pomps, and worships are causing my restless irritability and discontent. And I won't be able to live long that way long without anesthetizing it. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. So by now, you either decided you may have this condition or you don't. And if you don't, say la vie. But if you do, I'm going to have to improve consciousness because what happens when you improve consciousness is you find this power within you, consciousness, the awareness of being aware of that power and purpose within you, you outgrow your sensitivities because you realize the spirit is the experiencer of thought and emotion, not the thought and emotion. That's why you hear your counselors say, don't say you're sad, say you're experiencing sadness. Step back from those thoughts and emotions. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, we turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. What's the key to the future? The truth. The truth. The key to the future is the truth. Yes? Okay. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? So they ask a question. In this book, when they ask a question, they put a question mark. It's time for me to go inward. So I'm trying to find my experience in there. Does that make sense? So the obvious question, if all that crap's starting to resonate with me, how can I escape, is obvious. Right? That's what I need to know? Okay. Then they say, we saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? Any of you ever thought about that? I can't hold on to this resentment. I need to get rid of it. That's what they saw too. Said we could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So what did they tell us their first response was? They tried to wish them away. How many of you have tried to wish away your resentments? You'll say things like, I forgive, but I don't forget. Which means I'm outwardly professing an inward lie. Yes? And I'm only lying to me. Okay. So this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Ah, I just determined that I might be spiritually sick. Maybe it's true of a wider percentage of the population. So though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. What are their symptoms? Resentment, fear, guilt, shame, remorse. You agree with Sean? Yeah. yeah. Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. No wonder I'm so familiar with that condition. So it says, we ask God. Oh, that was weak. We ask God. That's better. To help us show them the same tolerance, pity, patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man, how can I be helpful to him? Notice how it's a question to go inward, and then a request. God save, power save me from being angry. Thy will be done. Now, please look at the 
profundity of what they're telling us about their experience. How many of you have had the experience of being kinder than you felt like being after starting to grow a little bit and just weren't aware, hadn't called your attention? How many of you still had the hateful thoughts but acted better and said, what is that but a power greater than you operating through you? And if it kept you out of that scrape, would you not want to improve consciousness of it? Okay, that would make sense, wouldn't it? See, Bill Wilson was a pretty smart guy. He analyzed companies, and then he went and found other people, and he told people all the logical reasons why something was a good value. And when he came into this, he came in sort of atheist agnostic. And then he had this radical experience he describes, and he came in and he wrote a book three and a half, four years later, telling you why, from his perspective, it was more logical to believe than not to believe based on his experience. So that's why we want, we want to lay it out logically and not alter it, because it is, based on my experience, more logical to believe than not to believe. And you're sitting in the result of my belief. I believe so strongly in this manner of living. We did this. Thank you. Um, so we avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. You notice how they didn't say we learned to take a kindly and tolerant view? No, they said God showed them. And how does God show me something? He uses me to demonstrate it. That's how I learn. When I'm used as an instrument, I now know it's real because that's not who I was or who I hoped to be when I came in here tore up from the floor up. Yes? Okay. So referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. Guys, you got to get this. You're not doing an inventory of other people because the world and its people are often quite wrong. You've got to find your part. Even if it's nothing but unforgiveness, we've got to find it. We've got to own it, and we've got to take it to the truth. Because whatever it is, the truth can set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yes? Not because I read it in a book, because it happened in my life, but I can confirm it in a book. Okay? All right, so we replaced, it, we placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly, and we're willing to set these matters straight. Something about admitting my part honestly causes a condition of divine power within me called willingness. We make the mistake of thinking that humans by nature can just exert will. When I'm dying of a deadly addiction from an obsession I can't get rid of, I will have no willingness to pull away. So the willingness has to come into me from another source. And so it flows in me and through me, but it is not of me which is why as I grow in this thing and I have to do something hard, I have to continue to ask for willingness until it comes. Does that make sense? Okay. 
So it says, notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve, but did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? Question mark. A lot of people overlook the fears list, but the fear drives the manifestation itself. So I would encourage you, if you're just hearing this for the first time and you've been at it a while, take a look at those fears that drive you even to this day. Look at those doubts. You can be living more abundantly if you'll start practicing these principles in all your affairs. They talk to us about, sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. And they were talking not about a one and done, but a, a lifetime of walking in purpose. Make sense? Okay. So then it says, sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. How many of you have had opportunities stolen from you because you didn't move quick enough because of fear? How many of you just didn't even start? You don't even know what was stolen from you because you didn't even start. I'd kind of like to do this, but yeah. So it, it, fear is a thief. Okay. All right, so we reviewed our fears thoroughly. You see why they did it? Because yeah. someone helped them understand that fear is stealing the joy and the peace from your life. Amen. And it's time to cast fear out. Yes? yes? All right, so it says we put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them. I may not have an outward manifestation of self in a fear condition. How many of you have been diagnosed with depression? Yeah, it's palpable, keeps you down, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, that's a fear response. That's anger without enthusiasm. I'm not trying to make fun. It, it, we're unable, because of whatever force is oppressing us, to manifest anything. Um, we ask ourselves why we had them. And then we're going to go into how that process works. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Have I tried to do this very thing before and it didn't work out? Yeah. Anybody? Uh -huh. How many of you finally got good at something and you learned, maybe in retrospect, that you failed numerous times, you just didn't ever stop, therefore you didn't consider it a failure? Live your life that way. Walk out every morning as though you know victory is assured and act accordingly and eventually it will be. Just, that's, that's what's up. But it would be nice to know the facts, right? All right. So self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Look, we're not saying you're not talented, and we're not saying you're not strong-willed. You probably didn't get to us without being both. Yes? And I'm talking the recovery community as well as the reentry community. You had to have great perseverance. You had to have great tenacity, or you wouldn't have survived long enough to be here ready to tell this story. However, it didn't go far enough. Is that true? So I need a reset. No one's taken away my perseverance or tenacity. It's just refocused it. And I had to participate by learning the truth. Does that make sense? 
So it says some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. How many of you started having success and came from a defined lack of success? How many of you got a little puffed up for a minute? <laughs> Look at what I have done. Hey, everyone does it. That's why I'm chuckling about it. Well, what I'm trying to point out is if I was powerless then, I'm powerless now. And the only difference is the one who moves me now makes a way. Um, so perhaps there's a better way. We think so, but we're now on a different basis. So that by this point, we're witnessing to whoever's getting ready to go through this that we're on a different basis. I once thought and felt just exactly as you do, but I doubt I'd have made much progress had I not taken action. This is the action I took, and this is what I experienced as a result. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah I'm not, I just want you to know because this is tangible. You want to talk about, okay, we're going to just buy a hotel. <laughs> Convention type place. And we're going to bring 400 freshly released men and women from prison. We're going to plop them right in the middle of Metro Center area. It's going to be awesome. Everyone wanted to know what could go wrong, right? We show them every day what's going right because of y'all. So what it says is we trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We're in the world to play the role he assigns. You got to get that. I'm in the world to play the role he assigns, as are you. We have to admit that at some times it seems like we got a rather shitty assignment. Yes? But nonetheless, who better than you to play that role? And the answer is there is absolutely no one in the world better to play the role for which you were prepared than you. I just need you to come to believe that, and then we're going to go out in victory. Does it make sense? Okay. Just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? How many of you would like to have that little trick? How many of you have experienced a little calamity in your life? How many of you learned you could handle a lot of calamity with serenity because you were too loaded to freaking care? That was when you were in the realm of a synthetic spirit. Imagine what a real divine spirit could do. Does that make sense? We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. Yes? We with me? The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. So if you don't like the word faith, use courage. Just know that that power is that tangible substance that's propelling you forward. The ability to move in to that which is unseen with certainty. Yes? All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. Oh, you were off the timing. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, 
We let him demonstrate through us what he can do. I don't need to tell you I've decided to live a different life. Walk with me, I'll show you. Yes? We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once we commenced to outgrow fear. Get it? We often ask, what do I do? What do I do? It's the wrong question. The doer will do what the doer will do, but I am not the doer. That's why they don't call me a human doing. They call me a human being. My job is to be. Sometimes it's to be silent. Be still and know. Be patient. And if the Spirit tells me to be patient, that's not a bad thing. I hear people, don't pray for patience. No, because you're telling God what you need, and I don't know what you need. Ask God for what you need. If he tells you to be patient, be patient. And you want to know why? Because whether you're patient or impatient, you're still going to have to wait. <laughs> Just logic. Now about sex. They all go silent except for you, Sean. Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. How many of you would have to admit that you haven't always been sensible on the question of sex relations? We're getting more hands. We got a brave bunch. Usually, like three people say, "Okay, that, that was good." Um, so it says it's so easy to get way off the track. Any of you ever had a relationship? situation that could be described as way off the track? Yeah. Where's, where's my meth addicts? Yeah. Didn't seem off the track at the time, but to those observing, you know, the whips and chains, leathers and feathers, you know. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation, and then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it, or that it isn't the right kind. How many of you have been on both ends of that spectrum? Not enough of it, not the right kind, yeah? Because that's when things are going all right, right? And then procreation only. I don't ever, anybody? You ever, ever been like, never again? If you've been both, you might be a bit extreme. And what we're trying to get to is they say alcoholics are extreme examples. So if you can see yourself at both ends of big field, welcome to the club. Okay. So they see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare. The other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. Then they get to their suggestion based on their experience. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? My sex problems are not how you behave. Remember, that's the whole point of this, is however you behave, however wrong it is, because I've had my own, I'm in no position to judge, and I can't be helpful if I'm judging. But we are all often really disturbed 
by these things. And it's important to get a little empathy and a little understanding about what drives these manifestations of self that gets us into these self-seeking behaviors that cause harm to others. And that isn't our intent. It was just to relieve me in some way. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. So they say, what can we do about them? Well, I certainly can't do anything about yours. But I could probably limit my suffering by changing the way I think about it, which is the point of this. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, in order to get there, we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. Guys, this is basically that 10th step for a lifetime, so you know, because the steps are all inclusive. And it's not just about sexual relationships. That's just a common human one. It's about all relationships with people, institutions, principles. So what you want to do is, in every one of these relationships, look at that piece and find your part in what happened. Does that make sense? Okay. And then it says, in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. How many of you would like a safe, sane, and sound ideal for your future sex life? Okay, about a dozen of you. The rest of you are lying. Uh, if I take the word sex out of it, how many of you would like a sane and sound ideal for all your future worldly relations? More hands, that's good. The product of this is a sane and sound ideal for all my future interactions with the world. I don't know why any human does not want to do this. Think about that. If I want to go build this, I got to do a business plan and take it to a lender to show them what I intend to do. And that didn't trouble me at all. If I want to keep the house paid off and the bills met, I got to do a budget. That doesn't bother me at all. But something as important and fundamental as how I comport myself in all my future relationships, <laughs> miss me with that shit. So we subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. You get the image they're talking about? They're in prayer now. Help me with this ideal. You ever get an ideal that you knew was not divine in nature? So you may want this same power that's pulling you from all these pits to help you form this Light, maybe light your path, huh? Okay. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good. How many of you have found that people sometimes were attracted to you for no apparent reason? I contend that spirit recognizes spirit first. And so... If someone is attracted to me, I owe them the dignity of knowing they're attracted to him, not me. Does that make sense? I don't always behave the best, but that's, that's the ideal. Does that make sense? Okay. So 
neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. Now, you've got to get that. The word must confuses. People think it's a rule. They've already told us it's suggestive, and I'll tell you why it's suggestive. None of this stuff works unless we honestly want to and we're willing to make the effort. Does that make sense? We must worship in spirit and in truth. We learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves. Wherever you're at, I can't go forward based on a lie, especially a lie I tell me. So I must be willing to grow toward it. I wouldn't have gone to all this trouble to see the source if I wasn't willing to go repair it. Does that make sense? Okay. And we must be willing to make amends where we've done harm. Same must. Kind of a no-brainer rather than a rule. Is it making sense to you? Because you have to read the whole book in context because it's all inclusive. Okay, so it says, provided that we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. So I read all the way to that, but I call your attention to that because I wasn't making it up. They, did, they had to write the book succinctly. So this is about all relationships, not just sex, but they took sex because sex can be particularly problematic for humans. Yes? Okay, and then it tells us right away, in meditation we ask God, in meditation we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. So they said in meditation we ask about each specific matter. If I ask about each specific matter, I'm anticipating a response, am I not? Have you ever asked somebody something without anticipating a response? They may not give me the one I want, true enough. But typically, they're, they're telling you something about the meditation they're talking about. I need to be open to whatever it is I need and not what I want. I have given up everything I need because of pursuit of what I wanted. So I'm not a good judge of what I need. I only know what I desire. And those desires ruled me till I was really in trouble. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says the right answer will come if we want it, to her point, right? The right answer will come if we want it. And what if I don't want it? It'll probably come. I'll just discard it. Oh, infinite one. You have not considered the complexity of my particular situation. God alone can judge our sex situation, counsel with other persons is often desirable. So I'm going to the divine for judgment, and I may get counsel with someone who can help me sort out my motives. Does that make sense? But we let God be the final judge. So I'm not looking for a com committee of people who will eventually agree with what I wanted to do anyway. I'm getting divine guidance, then I'm talking to people about how to go about it and my fears around it, and then I go back in prayer, and then I, does that make sense? Okay, all right. And then it says, we avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble, question mark. How many of you came here with a little perfectionist tendency? If I can't do it perfect, screw it. So that's probably not a winning strategy in the long term, right? So you may well, and I can almost assure you, 
you'll have a chosen ideal, and an ideal should be just out of reach, so you're always going for it. You can have a goal every day that's achievable, but an ideal should just should keep your sprinting, yeah? And, and so it's always going to be just out of reach, and you are going to stumble, because we all stumble. That's why we have this power. Fix us up. Okay, does this mean we're going to get drunk? No! <laughs> I'm glad we got a bunch of definite answers there. It says, some people tell us so, but this is only a half-truth. It depends on us and our motives. How many of you had a motive to get sober or get clean long before you were able to out, you know, manifest anything outward? You understand the necessity of a power greater than me? Because I don't know my motives. My future depends on me and my motives, and I don't always know them. But if I can access this power within me and start learning to run my thoughts against this power, then I have better outcomes. Does that make sense? It depends on us and our motives. If we're sorry for what we've done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things... We believe we'll be forgiven and we'll have learned our lesson. If we're not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. We're not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. So they, the one thing they're telling us is we really don't need to judge because they don't need our judgment. I, I'm pretty hard on me when I'm in active addiction. Anyone else? Guarantee if I'm doing something that's going to lead me back to active addiction, you don't need to punish me because... Baby, I'm going to tear me up. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So to sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and for strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. Guys, they're not kidding. Whatever is you're struggling with, whatever you're struggling with, you don't need to stay in the problem. Go ask someone how you can help them focus on their needs. And while you're focusing on them and not obsessing on what your perceived need is, God will remove that problem from you. It's just a fact. Because the problem centers in your mind anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a perception. Okay, so it says if we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot. How many of you ended up with a lot of stuff? How many of you did not end up with a lot of stuff? You did a lot of sections with someone because your attention span was a little, or maybe you were shaking too bad. Anyone here that couldn't write? Yeah, yeah I was pretty tore up. I could not write. Not for a while. Um, I could hardly speak, um, but we managed. Anyway, we have listed and analyzed our resentments. We've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We've commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. Notice how they keep talking about beginnings. The fourth step is the first step of, step of action in a lifetime of service. So this whole debate around whether we do one or two, dude, it's, you're going to do it on the fly the rest of your life. This is just showing you the practice of seeing what 
how myself manifests, right? I gotta learn how I think. Okay, we have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we've hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. That's, that's where I am at this stage if I've done what they suggested, right? In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. What did it? Faith. Faith. They always want to talk to us about faith. Wright brothers did what everyone said couldn't be done because of faith. You're sitting in a reentry center that never existed before because of faith. Yours and ours. Yes? You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna change the world. So you, just so you know, You're, when when addicts are the hopeless variety, when people society has cast out come back, and they start doing productive and caring and compassionate things, everyone the mountain of prejudice moves because a way has been made. So we hope you're convinced now that God can, can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you've already made a decision and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, you've made a good beginning. Don't stop. You've now got your assignment. Now you've got to go out and fulfill your assignment. Does that make sense? Okay. That being so, you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. See you next week.